0: educating by sharing our From the Trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home.
1: Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, I have John Phillips with me from Willett & my Am I saying that correct?
2: It's actually Associated Crafts and Willett Hauser Architecture Glass.
1: Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, and so tell me a little bit about your background.
2: Well, uh, Associated Crafts was founded by Mary and I and my wife in 1997. And in 2014, we purchased our largest competitor, which uh, it's the family ownership of that studio, Willett Hauser Architecture Glass was wanting to retire so they came to us asked us if we were interested and of course we were being that it's kind of the pinnacle of the stained glass industry Mm -hmm. it has a 120 year old legacy that we were able to merge in 2014 and we were fortunate enough from that point to able to continue the growth um in 2018 we were one of inc 5000's fastest growing companies um which was something we're very proud of because you know a lot of people think that stained glass, this medium and, and preservation and stuff is, is on a decline when it's, when it's quite the contrary. We're growing and we're growing leaps and bounds and we've been growing ever since and we will continue to grow. My background um, was, personally, my dad actually went to work for Hauser Art Glass Company back before they purchased Willett back in 73. And as an eight-year-old, I was riding around with him I'm um, learning the business. And then in 1979 or 80, dad started his own studio, which as I got old enough to work, I worked in a studio, then eventually in the field uh, and then just couldn't get away from it. I mm-hmm. enjoyed it so much. And I love to, I personally really, everybody's always in awe of the new window aspect, but I really liked the restoration and the preservation portion.
1: Yeah. yeah I, and I, then in
2: my- and you I'm know, sure God you God. do too huh? yeah.
1: I was just I was just gonna say, um uh, I don't know if you're familiar with John Leake from um historic houseworks um he's in maine, mm-hmm. but he always he always says that you can you can you can tell a lot about somebody with what they were doing when they were like eight or ten, and he says most people he talks to that are in in the trades were were working with their parents
2: <laughs> isn't that the
1: truth yeah, yeah. and that- <laughs>
2: yeah I could never escape it I just kept getting drawn back into it unfortunately so it's been a very it's been a very very good life for us you know very very rewarding and uh it's provided my family everything we've needed so and a lot of enjoyment on top of that so
1: yes yeah
2: we we live to work (laughs) and work very
1: very true um so um were you going to say something else about your background though before I interrupted you
2: no, I just, um, okay. you know, Mary and I started Associated Crafts in 1997 as, you know, as we were growing our family. And first we started as a subcontractor. Um, actually, to Willett hauser was one of the companies that we subcontracted to. And then in 2008, it's a, you know, when the economy was going so right. bad, we we basically went out on our own and, and just started um, grabbing market share and just a lot of success just doing business the old-fashioned way. And we continued to grow until we were fortunate enough to be able to and we were afforded the opportunity to purchase Willet at uh in 2014 so it's been a long journey but it's been a good one
1: yes yes yeah and there i think that there were uh, i we i we we lived through you know the the crash in in 2018 or 2008 um we had we were finishing up the biggest project we had ever done and we had Projects lined up, and in that week, everything that we had lined up canceled. And you know, it, you had to take a pivot and start doing things differently, and then you could survive. But I, I don't think I don't think a lot of companies, you know, were able to 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 pivot as quickly as as maybe some of the the smaller companies could have.
2: Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I I people always ask me, you know, well, how's business going? I go, what's well, going great, and they would say, right. well, well, how about with the economy? And I just I always we always laugh and tell them I didn't get the memo.
3: Right. Yeah. And what it, what, it,
2: what it did for us is we just worked harder and right. other people were pulling it in, sitting at home, trying to weather the storm. And we just went out and grabbed market share and became, and, and just, we just grew by leaps and bounds just by working harder than I mean, you know, everybody always says, it's, you know, it's all about hard work. Well, it truly is. It is. And, yeah. you know, we, you operate with integrity and you work hard, you do what you say you're going to do. And uh, it's just amazing how, much you can grow business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're very true. So so tell me about associated crafts um, you know we talked a little bit about the history but you talked about the 120 year you know legacy that you that you bought into also so so tell me a little bit about the company and and your history your services offered.
2: Sure. So you know will it Itself has been kind of a who's who of American stained glass. I mean, from Grace Cathedral windows on San Francisco to St. John's the Divine, West Point, and many, many other um, historic projects. I mean, you know, its legacy. I think right now we're operating a library in Winona that has about twenty-eight thousand renderings, twenty-five to twenty-eight thousand renderings, um, slides. I don't. I mean, there was probably. 20 some thousand slides. Um, there's probably 6,000 books. Um, and just renderings of work that's been completed over this last more than a century. Um, and then, and then not to mention restoration work, um, Willett was originally in Philadelphia or was originally in Pittsburgh. And then in the early 1900s went to Philadelphia and, uh, and then Hauser's was started in Winona. When I took over, um, There was just too much uh, rogue behavior, so to speak. We were having a studio out there in Philadelphia that was really operating without very good management at the time. Mm -hmm. I had great management for many years, and then we kind of got into bad things. So we pulled everybody in. We sold the building building in Philadelphia. We centralized it in Minnesota. We were able to go out and get great restoration painters like Melissa Janda and new window painters like Melissa Janda. And then our our head of art was uh, is, in his, um art development is uh, Kathy Jordan, which is one of the world's most famous glass painters and just an amazing woman and uh, who lives and breathes glass and just, you know, incredible woman, incredible artist, incredible painter, everything. And she's been like my big sister and I've really given her the art side. So right. she's last year, last year, she probably sold single-handedly sold more, stained glass than anybody in in the history of this business and she also has some influence on historic painting like she just painted uh some duplicated some faces and stuff or touch up painted some stuff for on a lafarge window in the philadelphia area um which you know we pull on her expertise in restoration and and replication painting for that um Mm. did did a great job we do an incredible amount of you know, we kind of break down the restoration process or repairs into repairs, and that's stuff that we do on site, you know, from changing broken glass to pulling out panels and reducing bulges and fixing structure things, simpler things that we can do, right? Um, without going into a full blown restoration, which a historic restoration, you know, is referred to as relighting, where we go take them out, take them back, document them, and go into that. Um, we also do an incredible amount of restoration, but we do an incredible amount of repair as well. Right. And then we also, you know, every one of our crews has a master craftsman woodworker. So we do a lot of wood repair, um, you know, from sashes to jams to, um, even louvers. We've done some louvers right. for churches, you know, cause we have access. So it's nice to have a, and, and our, um, field production lead is a a man named robert bohannon and robert came from the furniture industry so it's been really great to utilize his talents with frame repair and just you know the mill work because as you know being back east especially we just got you know i also grew up in pennsylvania so you know we we just got some really ornate woodwork and it's just been incredible to have his influence out there so we come in, we're truly turnkey. We, you know, we can repair their, their frames, we can repair their stained glass. We can, um, whether it's repair or whether it's complete historic restoration and whether it's a, a collectible like a Tiffany, um, we can handle everything from the conservation to the historic restoration to repairs. And then we also have our exclusive protective storm covering that simply just surpasses everybody. we, we have the ability to install a protective covering system that has a smaller profile than pretty much anything on the market. Um, we extrude it ourselves. We have spent years perfecting the temperance of the the, the metal. Um, we also every truck is, is has a mechanical, uh, an electric bender on there that we've had
3: okay, specifically
2: right. developed for us so that we can install our protective glazing or clear flow system um, exterior so we can protect all the historic woodwork where we can still put the bends in there so you can still joy, enjoy the uh, influence of that millwork and all its curves and all its splendor. Um, but yet it's a removable covering that, you know, I mean, it, it's installed permanently, but it can take, be taken on. So all students protecting the historic works right. and you know, I'm not going to tell you that, you know, protective covering is is more aesthetically pleasing than the natural millwork that we've all, you know, enjoyed, and, and especially, you know, it's around the turn of the century that they're putting in, but our goal has been to protect that and put up something that is as aesthetically pleasing as we can, but has all the benefits of installation, protection the weathering, climate control for the interior, and then of course it's all in frame vented. So we have this nice flow of, of um, air from bottom to top um, on the exterior, as well as um, the ability to dry up any condensation or anything. So it does really help preserve these historic works as well as their millwork.
1: I, um, I, I was not aware of your product until I was prepping for, for, for the podcast and it solves a lot of the problems that I see um, on church windows, especially with the stained glass. Like oftentimes people just stick up plexiglass and you know, that gets all gray or cloudy and it also traps all the condensation. And so then you're ruining the, the, the woodwork. Um, You know, there's a lot of problems that, that your, your uh, clear flow uh, protective, uh, glazing solves. Um, so I think, it's a, I think it's a great solution. Uh, and I also think that it's great that you have a master craftsman on, on, your, on every crew, because that's something that we often, because we're primarily woodworkers, people will call us, the, the stained glass people will call us and want us to come and you know, fix the frame. But if you can do that all in-house, that's, that's perfect. So I, th- I think that's really, I think those are, those are really smart um, business decisions.
2: Well, you know, we're we're trying, it's it's been a need for the customers, right? Because, um, you know, we love working on historic works with, you know, with, with, there's, there's been works that we do where, where we're working with things like yours, where they come in and they do all the woodwork and then we come in and that's great too. Right. But for these smaller jobs, you know, when you're reaching into the middle of Iowa and you have this historic church with these nice windows, they don't usually have the budget and we kind of want to try to be one-stop shop for them and be able to hand it and and the other thing too is a stained glass studio most stained glass studios you know they want to do stained glass they don't want to do the removals they don't even want to do the reinstallation they certainly don't want to do storm covering and we have made it a lifetime of perfecting this with you know professional glazers perfecting the storm covering right so we're kind of training it all into one so that we can have a complete solution we've even recently went as far as partnering with um Marvin windows and doors, yeah. Um, because in some of these historic buildings, uh, we need solutions for uh, y- you know for for windows that aren't stained glass, just historic right. type windows, and yeah. and we were able to we were able to work with them, and then also provide some of the office buildings with replacement windows, and just serve our customers that are out there, um, right? And uh, y- you know, it's. Every day we just work at trying to get better and provide the services that they need, listen to them. And, uh, and and one of the things that we have done over the years is we, you know, because of the logistics traveling all over the country, right? we have been able to figure out how to manage our teams in a field. And one of the things we've done is we've had those master woodworkers and project managers that are working in the field and we've empowered them. Be the point of contact for the customer. So the questions, you know, when you're doing restoration, as you guys know better than even us, you know, there nobody understands exactly this whole restoration. But they're very they're, they're, these buildings are very important and they're held in very right. high regard. They have right. historical significance, they're sentimental, and people are curious. Um, and ours, and you know, and honestly, our clientele is largely churches. So we have a lot of retired contractors or retired people that have time that want to see and they just love their churches. So
3: right. <laughs> we've empowered
2: these people. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, we all, we all giggle about how long they're going to yeah. spend there, but Hey, the bottom line is they've become friends for years and really enjoyed it. And they want to know. So we have a project manager on site Who's also a master woodworker um, who we empower to be in charge and be that point of contact for them. They don't have to call their consultant or call the office. They work right through that person. They're right there. And it's been one of the biggest reasons why we have a hundred percent customer satisfaction. And we have a a process where every day they're sending in completion photos and progress photos to our senior team that's inspecting them every day. Once a, once our projects are completed, we do not only do we do a pre-construction walkthrough with the customer, and not and as I, as we as we just alluded to, they're always there and answering questions every day. But we also do a final walkthrough and get every question, every item handled right there. And then once they're done, our project managers then have to walk through the whole site using FaceTime or video conferencing and have the senior team approve their work. And even if the customer has approved the work and they're delighted, we see anything we don't like, we redo it right there. Because
3: right.
2: We, we take it very serious that, that these people that hire us, hire us because they're not stained glass experts,
3: right? They're
2: entrusting us to be their stained glass experts. And quite frankly, they, none of them really know what's going on.
1: They don't. It's
2: That's true. Yeah. It's, it's up to us to have, you know, we take that job very seriously. So even if they're going, Oh, it's beautiful. It's great sign here. And they're, and they're all done and we don't like it. We'll take, we've t- took windows apart and redid them after the customer sitting there going, what do you mean? It's beautiful. It's not exactly it, but that's what happens. We got to take this. And what we get to do, you and I, is restore stuff that was made a generation ago, and we want to preserve it for the next generation. And I always thought that was a very special thing, a very, um, just a huge responsibility to be given that stewardship of these buildings. And we take that very seriously. And so does my entire team, which now is around 90 people
1: oh my goodness that that um i that control is, is very important though when you get when you get a you know when you have people working multiple locations and um and you know doing all of that so i think that that's really really smart i i i i feel like i have a similar we have a similar philosophy with the you know the stewardship where we're we're just here to help you know help maintain these buildings so that they can continue on um, one thing that I did yeah. think was interesting that I didn't even write in my my outline to you was that, um, as you know, part of your service is that you do you offer you know options for financing for for churches, and I, I thought that I, I I haven't seen that often, and I thought that was really um, that's a, just another another aspect of the service that you offer.
2: You know, that's been yeah. an amazing thing. We work with Griffin Capital to to they provide it, and you know what's funny is. A lot of churches will sit there and go, "Well, we don't want to to, to borrow money." Da 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 da, da. Right. And then they go, "We they we end up getting them to talk to Griffin." They find out how competitive they are, how easy it is for them, and what ends up happening, you know, they may be looking at, you know, a half a million dollar job with stained glass, and they're all thinking about that. Well, along comes Griffin Capital and goes, "Hey, we can loan you blank, blank, blank at this." this interest rate, you know, and here's how it's paid and here's the fees. And honestly, like they're easier than my home loan was. And, (laughs) you know, I mean, they're just really good people to work with. John um, is kind of in charge of it over there. Unbelievable guy. But so they they come in and next thing you know, they're going, you know what? Instead of doing this huge capital campaign, we'll go ahead and do the elevator. We'll do the inside painting. We'll do the exterior painting. We'll do the stained glass. We'll do the reflooring. Whatever all those projects are, they'll borrow it all at one time, put it in one deal, and then they'll go out and do the capital campaign for it, knowing exactly where they're at. They're getting it all done. And what's exciting and unbelievable about it is churches start to grow. I mean, it's a shame that it's that that way, but it's not. When they see activity in a church and they see a church that's that's beautiful, that's progressing, that's showing growth, they come to it. And then they start getting more involved. There's more fellowship. There's more um, participation from all kinds of new membership. And it's amazing. Every one of them that we've seen that has taken advantage of that and did it all and and does that growth, the more, the faster they fix those things and and keep going. It's just amazing what happens to the growth. It's just, you know, it's like you build it, they will come and (laughs) it just happens. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, so, so, and then the other thing that we've done and Shelby Henning um, in our office has been really, really um, had some good luck with this is just doing some little fundraising things. Um, we have the ability in our proposal system to provide donors costs um, and they've got some little tricks and techniques that they work with the committee. Um, we've even sold coloring books, oh, that's um, stained right. glass window yeah. coloring books where, I mean, they're it's a hard way to make a lot of money, but stuff right. a uh, youth groups and can go and, you know, they buy them for, you know, I, I don't know the prices. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of out of that, but right. I think it was like $5 and they, they retail for like $20 or something. Yeah. And, and, and then the Sunday school group does it or whatever. And it's been, it's been really cool. And then they've got some adoptive window programs that they help with, but um just a lot of stuff. And, and, uh, and we try to support them a lot because again, That's part of our service. We are the experts. We're there to help them not just do the project, but all the questions before. You know, and the other thing, too, you know, that people don't get is these people that sit on the boards of these historic projects, you know, they're being entrusted by the community to do this, and they don't know what they're doing. They're not stained glass people. They're not historic restoration people. And they're always, you know, in a they're always being critiqued and expected. They've got a lot of responsibility on.
3: Right. So I think to
2: help them and we've always come from a point of, you know, everybody thinks it's all about the sell, you know, you do your stuff and sales happen, right. They come to you. We try to educate them. We love them to be involved. Our proposals are very explicit Our information. We offer a project guide, um, that you can download off of our website that's just like kind of a 101 of stained glass projects Mm -hmm. and we we offer that we even offer it in audio we actually offer our american legacy book which is a book about our studio in book, or also a pdf version it also can be bought on amazon um we you know we think the education part is the most important thing if we can educate the customer and help them make educated decisions, they'll be happy. Their community will be happy. And quite frankly, if they're educated, we know we do a really good job and it becomes pretty obvious that there's a lot of difference between us and what else is available out there. And we get obviously more work of that than by about five times more than our next biggest competitor and there's a reason for it. Yeah. Take and, that and- We're proud of that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think education's a huge a huge part because people don't understand. They might, and I agree with you. People know that they love their buildings. They know, but they don't necessarily know what the, what they need to do next, or what what's the best what's the best course of action. They're they're looking for somebody to to educate them and, and to explain to them, and and we do we do a lot of that also. Um, and and you know, and well, like you know, we, there was a there was a couple of years ago we were at a church where they they wanted a new front door. And the, the bottom of the frame had started to rot, but it was, it was, you know, an inch or so off. So Jonathan's like, well, you know, we will just, you know, we can, we can cut that, put a new piece in, you know, do a Dutchman repair. And um, somebody from the, the building committee got really upset and was like, no, I want it. Ch- I want the whole frame changed to some, you know, uh, vinyl PVC. And Johnson's like, well, if, if that's the approach you're going to take, we're not the right people for you. <laughs> And right. about about two weeks later, the the church call the church called back and said, he's not on the meeting anymore, and we want you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: That's great. Yeah,
1: That's but great. you know, it, it doesn't make sense to throw you know throw throw materials away that have been there for a 100, 150 years if you can disrepair. repair. And and you know if if and if you if you want a different approach, there are people that can do that. So I'm sure I'm sure you have right. conversations like that too. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah. I mean, they're, you know, there's, we're always, you know, both of us are always taxed with the, you know, the budget and, you know, and, and some of these, some of them buildings, even though they're very old, they're not very ornate. They're, right. you know, they're, they're beyond repair. I mean, you got to make quality decisions, yeah. but that's yeah, how you get into conversations with them. You get into conversations, you tell people about what there is. And, um, you know, we have, we have a lot of trouble in historic restoration with people understanding them especially older windows where you have um, um, paint delamination and right. you know, there's two, there's two schools to that. I mean, mostly people want to conserve it and keep it as is and basically just stabilize what's left. And then there's those that want to, you know, throw away historic glass and repaint it as new. Um, and we are we are very clear with our customers on that and we bring it out to them and they make that choice, but yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's difficult, you know, I mean, sometimes, some people have this expectation, others have that expectation. So we have to be very clear. We, we document things. Well, we try to educate them well, um, you know, and it's just all, it's just all part of the process. It,
3: it is. You know, we,
2: like- we, we talk about these people that, you know, they get, they get taxed to be the, uh, the stewards of these communities and they're on these committees and, you know, they have to worry about finances. They have to understand what they're doing. They have to do, you know, so much stuff. And here they are completely unprepared for it. You know, yes, they might be great contractors. They might be great business people. They might be great, whatever. And just smart, good people who care. But, you know, I've spent a lifetime doing this specific thing. So I am qualified and not not many are doing that. And uh, so we there try to help them. And then, of course, you know, then it comes down to price. And, you know, the mistakes that I see a lot our people will come to us and they'll be like, Oh, well, your prices are. And I would hear that. And then we would get into discussions and we would find out that there was way different things that were happening in these proposals. So right. one of the things that my team developed was a price match guarantee. And we've probably used it. I'm going to say 50 plus times Okay. and never once was the proposal that we were supposed to be well you guys are doing exactly the same thing But this studio is you know 20% lower or 30% lower or whatever or 10% lower never once in more than 50 of them has that ever been the case
3: right what we do in
2: order to do yeah it's amazing so what we do in order to do a price match is we say send us the other proposal we'll compare and verify that it's apples to apples and every time there's either a difference in the kind of work the materials used or whatever so then we go back with the customer and what it really does is it's in in some of these some customers are like oh well, i'm not going to show you the other person's but i'm not going to do that i'm not right and then because they always are always scared of what they're being sold right. instead of trying to help them buy yeah. and what ends up happening the ones that have taken advantage of it sit there and get an education they're going well, what do you mean you use this brand of sealant and that brand of sealant? Well, here's the difference and here's the right. cost difference. This is that. why. Yeah, this
1: is why we do it. This right.
2: way. Yeah. And, and, you know, here they're doing, you know, we're doing historic restoration. They're just doing a section of it or whatever. And there's just many, many things that we get to talk about or, you know, the framing that's used or whatever.
3: Mm-hmm. And right. what, what
2: ends up happening is um, it's a way for them to really get into the nuts and bolts of it. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that everybody that has got a proposal for us realizes that we are who we are, um, you know, and it's just a lot of times they, they just want to, they, they, you know, they, they got to be conscious of the price. And so being able to get that opportunity to go page by page and really get them into their due diligence of accepting this project it's just been so helpful for them. And I, I was really proud of that idea. I thought that, I thought that was, you know, it's been very successful. It's been very, very helpful to them. And, and ultimately it's best for the projects because even if we don't get one, um, even if, even if they decide, you know, we, 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 even if we price match and they don't get it or whatever, um, it doesn't matter. At least they've made a really good, educated thing that they can be comfortable from, that their community can be comfortable in. And they did their proper stewardship and we're glad to help them do that.
1: Yeah. I, I really agree with you. And I think that's really smart because oftentimes I and you know, you've you've experienced this, I'm sure. You're there's not they kinda know they want to do a project, but they don't really have a defined scope of work. So you bring, you know, the you know, everybody wants to get three three estimates. <laughs> And so they get sure. three different opinions on how, how to approach it. And then they don't, there's never a conversation about why, why you, you know, do you're doing this approach versus this approach. So I think that's really smart.
2: Well, you know, and in my industry, there's such small companies that right. you get, they'll get three, they'll go get three bids, right? Because that's what, that's what society's taught, right. getting, you know, especially the construction somebody industry. Somebody came
1: up with three as the number.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the construction industry has just always been, you know, here's the specs, bid to the specs, get three bids, and then the low bid wins. And honestly, it's been very, very detrimental to the quality of work. And now you come to something with historic significance, it's not like putting up a really poor stick built house. Right. You can't, you know, this is significant. You need to, it needs to really be true. So you got to kind of throw all that out, and you got to actually look at what you're, what, what you're doing. And one of the things that my pet peeves has been is, and I, I get it because people are so, you know, they're given this big responsibility. Um, they got so many people looking over, that don't know what they're doing. So what do they do? They go out and they hire a consultant. And in my industry, the quality of consultants is laughable. I mean, anybody that basically is an academic that has read a few books has now become a consultant. I mean, We've actually had consultants make comments that just blew me away. Like, where are you going to plug in the five and one, the (laughs) five and one, the five and one is not a power tool, but this is a consultant who these people paid a great deal of money. Oh But the problem is is they're scared of the business. Like we're going to take advantage of them. So they need a consultant and they end up getting consultant who doesn't have an inkling of the information or, and then even from a business standpoint, I've read some of the specs on safety and what they're supposed to, they don't even understand OSHA. <laughs>
3: right.
2: um, and, he, you know, and here we are, you know, a, a, an nearly $20 million company who's got a full-time safety team. We right. do understand OSHA. We yeah. do understand safety. And I just tried to do my best to get people to pin us down, ask the questions and go through the education so that they can get a real good project that they understand every everything about it and we try to give them all the tools possible to do that. We want to talk with them, we want to work with them. We're passionate about it. We want them to learn. But unfortunately some think they're going to go out and get a consultant who's never really done the work help right. them and and that's disappointing. And then the other thing is some of the smaller stained glass studios although you know it's a, a mom and pop like me and Mary used to be a mom and pop, right? right. And they do very good work, but they're limited in the scopes that they can do. I mean, they don't have teams in the field that can go out and do something um on site that really can be done on site successfully because they right. you know they have never done that. They don't have the skills, they're not they're not versed in that facet, their business is not set up for that.
3: Mm-hmm. So they
2: go to the customer and say, Oh, you can't replace just that one panel and fix it. You have to take the whole window out and re oh, it. Yeah. Not because that's really what the customer needs, because, but that's what they fits their business yeah. scope of work. Right. And we are fortunate that we're not limited to doing business a certain way because we can do it every way because we've got all those facets covered, right. uh, a business covered. And so then here we got a customer, and then they go and they, they get another studio. You know, again, good people. Um, they can do some, some good work. Well, they don't do storm covering. So right. now they're out getting a bid from the local glazer who's putting up storm covering and the glazer's saying, well, you don't want to use this kind of framing of that. Well, meanwhile, they're not even stained glass people. Right. So now the poor customer <laughs> sits there and he's got one guy's trying to sell him one thing because it fits his skills. He's got another guy's trying to sell him part of it because that's what they do. And they're getting somebody else to help them with this. And then there's us. Right. And yeah. they're confused and the prices will be all over from you know, whatever, because, you know, here we are, poor customer. So we got to sit back and we try to break it down, try to get in conversations, try to get them to ask questions, you know, and and try to lose this. We're trying to sell something. We're trying to help you buy, not try to sell you something.
3: Right. Because
2: honestly, these projects are so, I mean, we're just, you and I have just been given the opportunity we don't have ownership in them. Nobody does. We just get to take care of them for a generation. Right. And to pass it on to the next. And that's what we're trying to do and, and trying to help them
3: do.
1: Yeah. No, I I, I really agree. And I, I think that that is, um, that's, and you, you probably see that much more than I do, but I, I feel like that sometimes is the. The detriment—I don't know if that's the right word—for for working, or the downside maybe, for working with with churches is the committee process, and 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 everybody kind of has an opinion, and nobody's really the expert, and then so then they get nervous, yeah. and they feel like they need an expert. <laughs> you know, it, it just kind of snowballs. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, and we don't have any regulation in our industry. You know, that's—I mean, there's a couple there's a stained glass association right. that's honestly just made up of a bunch of hobbyists and they're all very small studios that just don't even begin to understand this. And they're out there for, for the, for the customer, but honestly they're more part of the confusion than the help.
3: Right. And
2: there is some, there's some glass guilds that've got some talented people like there's American glass guild, actually Kathy who works with us is currently the president of that. And there's a lot of good talent in there, but they're mostly, you know, it's mostly artists and, right. and people that individuals, but, you know, it's, so it's just unfortunate that, you know, that's why we just try to do our best. And we just, every night we tell the truth, we go out of our way, um, to help people learn and we can sleep with it every night. You know, we get, obviously we get more projects than anybody in the country. Actually anybody in the world, we have the biggest in the world right now. And, uh, you know, and, but we won't get them all, but we just keep trying to help people, just right. keep trying to help yeah. them make good decisions and then do good work for them.
1: Yeah. I, I think, I, I think that that is the best approach. Um, I was looking, when I was looking at your website, I was noticing that you had like a distinction between, re, between repair, historic restoration and conservation. Can you explain that a little bit to me?
2: Yeah. So repair is, you know, broken glass, some brace bars that have come off, uh, maybe a section's bulged. Um, and our teams are set up with, we basically got mobile studios. So we right. can go on site, we can pull out that bulge section, lay it on a, a, a table, um, work it back flat, re it if necessary, uh, re-secure the braces, put them back on. We can replace glass, um, those kind of repairs, right. you know. Just maintenance stuff, those kind of things, Um, small repairs, maintenance stuff, and we'll call that repair work. So then we got, you know, historic restoration, which is where we go. We photo document, we document, we remove, we create, we transport to the studio. We clean, disassemble, reassemble with all the new lead came, rebrace, reinstall, complete full re-lead. Historic restoration, edge gluing of cracks, you know, um, replica painting, um, whatever, whatever is called for. Right. Um, right there at the studio with the studio team. And that's the restoration project. And conservation is kind of a museum quality repair. Sometimes it will be just repair or sometimes it will be full blown. reled. Sometimes okay. it will be a mixture of both. And conservation is usually help for more collectibles, I'd like to call them, okay. you know, the Tiffany windows, these, right. uh, you, you know, ones that are, um, I mean, they're all special, but you know, right. they're kind of the high-end collectibles, you know, yeah. Tiffany's what comes to mind right now. Some Frederick wow. Zettler windows, mm-hmm. um, Lafarge um, just, you know, there's, there's several that are out there. And those are kind of more of a museum quality. And we're pretty fortunate because Kathy's actually grew up on that side, on the conservation side, um, and loves it as well as the new windows. We also have several teammates in the studio that come from the conservation side, and of course, they love to do that. Um, right. One of our, our restoration um, consultants are, that's in the field out of Massachusetts um, grew up on the table doing that before getting into the, the consulting side. So we're able to take a customer and you know walk them through those same processes and help them out and and uh, explain those to them and kind of recognize what needs to be done. I mean that's the one big advantage of a studio of ours. Of ours, we do a lot of every type of work, so there's a lot of institutional knowledge,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, and we all get to draw from it. We, you know, as as a company, we have a and we take, we have a company wide chat where we share ideas daily all day long, all weekend long, whatever. So people are learning from the different things. We have quarterly, um, advisory team meetings where each of the team heads, um, work together and we pass information that way. And then we also have biannual, um, we have biannual meetings where, uh, I actually, they they call it the State of the Union. It's kind of funny, but um, where we where we actually share everything that's been going on with the studio and anything important, and then we just do constant training. Right. Um, and we not only train in um, with sending people to painting classes. Of course, Kathy puts on painting classes every year as well, um, and n- not just that stuff. And as as well as mixing them up with you know apprentices with with project managers, we also have an apprentice program that we have redeveloped. Um, and we got people putting apprenticeship hours, so we've got a way of actually getting getting um, people starting their career right. as apprentices, whether it be in the studio, they come through there, they document hours, they test out at different sections, um, and we've been, in the last seven years, I, I Shelby will, will want to strangle me for not knowing the answer <laughs> to this, but I think we've I think we've we've graduated three journeymen and like four craftsmen.
1: Oh, that's great um,
2: so far. Yeah. And, uh, and then we also have kind of the you know once they, they, once they start, they get all the basics in the studio, then they kind of either head down that master mastery of the kind of studio operations, or they go down kind of the mastery of the field operations, which is the removals and storm coverings and, and pseudo repairs and all that. Right. Or they end up going over to the art department. Um, you know, obviously, in the painting and in art department, you know they all get a taste of it, so they all understand a little bit of it. Right. But the ones that end up progressing in there obviously have to have an artistic hand and you know a specialized talent that you know, although all of us would probably love to be able to paint and do, draw pretty pictures um we just don't all have that skill right especially and especially at the level of this studio
1: right right yeah although, although we want to although
2: we some okay. some of us think we do but
1: you
3: know, <laughs> but it's
2: never been me i i can barely write my name that's why i like typing it
3: oh so, that's uh, funny I, I, I knew
2: that i knew that being an artist was not something i would get to do
1: oh.
2: so what do i do i hire the best artist when I get <laughs> well to that
1: that, that is also a talent
2: <laughs> yes yes thanks
1: so um i know you mentioned it before but um did you have anything else that you wanted to share about the clear flow protective glazing because i think that's really an interesting product
2: yeah you know i'm really proud of it i mean it's taken like i can remember as a kid we've just been developing it and developing it um we were able to vent it there, there's some products out there that have in-frame venting, but it's never really done very nicely. It's usually big and bulky and it's limited. We were able to get with Pella windows and use their um, breather tubes so we can actually customize it because not only is it important to vent a window, you know, preferably you want to vent to the interior, but that's rarely rarely what we get to do. Um, So this is kind of the second best option and doing it this well, it's really not been a problem. Um, And all that really has to do with changing the condensation points, which, you know, in, in medieval glass, that's a really big deal in the glass today. It's probably a lesser deal. Um, But we've got, you know, we've been able to really, really be able to vent these properly. And, you know, there's one thing to have enough volume of ventilation, but there's also an importance to have the specific positioning of the ventilation, you know, Um, and this, this product is allows us to be able to customize each window to have not only the right volume of, of, uh, of ventilation, but also have the correct positioning of ventilation. So we're getting just optimum ventilation of, these, of this protective covering. So you're getting the absolute best protection. So you don't have the heat buildup. You don't have the, um, you're still the ability to dry it out. And aesthetically, you can't even hardly tell it's there. So, we're keeping a smaller profile, letting the architecture, the, the existing architecture, be dominant. Um, we're vending it very well. We're even um, being able to camouflage and fit blend it blended into the window by using bending techniques with benders. The benders that we have had made and customized that we finally developed, and I will tell you, they're costing us a lot of money per truck. <laughs> you know, yeah. a lot of money per truck. They're like over five hundred pounds, they're on sliders, but the things that we were able to do on site with this with this material is just amazing. I mean it's just it's just head and shoulders above whatever else is weight. And we use a lot of different protective coverings. Um you made the comment about acrylic before. Right. Um actually acrylic doesn't turn yellow, it's the polycarbonates that turn yellow.
1: Right, the plexiglass. on um, the
2: acrylics. Yeah, the acrylics, the plexiglass, which is an acrylic, actually stays 100% clear, and there's all okay. kinds of testing on that, and I right. can show you. But the polycarbonates, or there is some acrylics that were mixed with polyvinyls that would then um, break down in the sun yeah. and cloud. but pure acrylics stay clear. Right. Polycarbonates
3: yeah.
2: w- would, would would break down and turn yellow with the product, you know, Lexan was the first one, extremely right extremely protective almost virtually unbreakable but after 10 years it was breaking down in fact actually a few years it was breaking down well then they started using acrylic sprays over top of it to to reduce the amount of yellowing and what it did is it delayed yellowing until the until the expansion and contraction of the acrylic spray that was on top Uh, of the polycarbonate then then basically frayed and allowed the ultraviolet in there and then it would break down, and that was UV ten for ten years, and basically it would then break down then. So, but you'd have good protection then. So we do Lexan. I mean, if you're in a vandalism area, or you're in an area with right. bad weather, um, you want something tax, like yeah. you know Tough X or Lex-X, Lexan. Yeah. And then we put up a lot of acrylic because it is less expensive. It's lightweight. Um, it's it doesn't have for a plastic. It has less deflection, but it's still plastic. Right. Um, but it does provide them some protection, you know, against hailstorms or um, you know, a baseball or a kickball in the in the, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, we also do an incredible amount of tempered glass. Um we also do some laminated glass. I mean honestly laminated glass to me has been kind of overpriced and overused and the tempered glass gives you a little more um it's probably a little more, you know, it's about four times more more strength than the right. laminated. However, when it does break, as we know, it all dices and falls out. Right. But
3: yeah. we've had really
2: good luck with tempered glass. It's been more reasonable to use. Um, we still have used some float glass in some installations, again, some laminated. Um, but we, you know, we're not, we don't really try to sell a customer, you know, here you need to use plexiglass or you need to right. use um, actually, I guess plexiglass not being made, you need to use an acrylic, or you need to use this, or you need to use that. We like here's the pros and cons of them all. It's your church. It's, you know, what do you feel comfortable with, budget wise, protection wise, insulation wise, whatever? And I'll, I'll tell you something, you know, and let them make the choice because you know it's their church. But I just want right. to come back know how, yeah. thing, right?
3: Yeah.
2: It comes back to the education thing. You know, help them make good decisions. But I'll tell you something that's really been really cool for us um, is we've come up with a, a framing that is a little larger profile, not um, in depth.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and we're using a 5 8 insulated unit in it. So we're actually able to put up protective covering that is. Tempered or even a laminated exterior that's an insulated glass unit right and right. instead of mounting it to the existing frame we may mount it into the rough opening right so then you have no conduction between the new framing and uh, yeah. the old frame right so basically and then it's a thermal barrier unit so you're creating creating this nice thermal barrier situation so you're maximizing you not only are you getting great protection
3: mm-hmm. but
2: you're also maximizing um energy efficiency
3: right and
2: we're still able to bend to meet some architecture now it's not a solution for some really ornate stuff
3: right but
1: it's a
2: solution for it's a it's a new solution that's really a lot of people have been very very interested in
1: yeah yeah that's that's um the they're they're getting they're getting able to make those insulated units thinner and thinner and it is it's it's nice it's a nice application for for some some things so that's, that's exciting yeah. to, to know that you have that as an option.
2: Yeah, and it's not a solution for every situation, right. but there, there's a solution where it really fits right. And again, it comes back to education and getting, taking the time to, you know, as a customer, do yourself a favor and get involved in the communication and ask the questions. And as a vendor, you know, be there to answer everything and be thorough.
1: Right, right. And, and if you don't some... know the
2: answer, don't make it up.
1: <laughs> it's Find definitely that, you know? <laughs> Yeah. But, but I, I do I often will ask people how do you use the space? Do you open your windows? Like because that determines, you know, the type of you know window treatment I would recommend. Cause if you're not going to open your windows, then it doesn't matter if you put a panel on it, you know. But if you're gonna use your windows, then you need a screen. So like it it does. It really it really depends each and each each situation's unique. It, one it's not a one size fits all.
2: No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know education talk learn um right that's what's amazing. I mean, getting to meet people like yourself and others in this industry, I'm just learning every day i'm fifty five years old, and I've been doing this since like I said, I started riding around at eight years old with my dad it's a- it's exciting, there's so much to it if your heart's in the right place and you really want to 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 learn this and do better. It's just an, it's an incredible career. It's an incredible opportunity. And again, we get to keep preserving things that go on to the next generation. And, and I want to tell you also, you doing these kind of podcasts to bring this information out to more people and teach them and help is, is just really a great thing. And I want to thank you for doing that for the industry. I, I wish that I would have, um, It's one of the things I wish we would have done more out because I think it's just really, really helpful. And so, thank you for doing that.
1: Well, thank, thank you for for taking the time out of your day to to join me because I that's one of the reasons that I enjoy doing the podcast is that I get to talk to all these different interesting people, and I feel like I learn something at each, you know, from each each person that I talk to too. And I I I've really I really not that we're com- not that we're completely finished but i've I really enjoyed our conversation today and even from a business standpoint i feel like i've learned some things so i've learned i've learned about stained glass more and i've learned some business ideas that i think that you know are, are really really good and smart ideas so i i really appreciate um appreciate your you're taking the time to talk to me today too so, um. we um I, re- I
2: appreciate what you're doing in interviews that's or several years ago, a couple years ago, I, in fact, it's still being replayed. I uh-huh. uh, was do, I was hosting a radio show that was played on KFAX in San Francisco, someplace oh, yeah. in San Diego, someplace in Dallas, called The Mentors, which it's still, it's still being played in a lot of the episodes. But it was all about business information, mm, not just, yeah. not, not, not particularly right. stained glass or preservation of business. But I, anyhow, in my little bit of, you know, half a year's worth of hosting there. Um, what you're doing is a lot harder than what people think, and you're doing a good job with it. To keep it up. <laughs> well, thank you. I,
1: I appreciate that. Some days, I some days I feel like I struggle, but <laughs> I no, you're doing a great that. job. Yeah. A very uh, good job. Yeah. So, um, uh, tell um, tell me a little bit about some notable projects that that you've been involved in. I know you said there's a 120 year, um, you know, record, but you if you could tell me just a couple.
2: Yeah, I mean. You know, one of the longest commissions in history was um, West Point. Okay. I think it was a little over 60 years from start to finish. And then right there in 2014 and 15, we started restoring some of the first windows that we'd put in at West Point. So that's, you know, obviously that's a, you know, a famous yes. building in the U.S. And, uh, and, and there's been documentaries done on the windows and just incredible. Um, I mentioned St. John the Divine, which is, you know, just a big, big church in, in New York City, and the windows are just incredibly far away, <laughs> so they're done very, very architectural, very, very big, just unbelievable. You know, there's always those who's who's, I mean, I remember the windows at, at Trinity in um, Trinity Episcopal in Galveston, Texas after a hurricane came through and they restored those. That was, that was amazing. Um, Repair of some Tiffany windows that was done in the studio. Um, You know, honestly, we're, we're just so fortunate. Um, You know, a a lot of the more notable fun ones are listed in the American legacy book and legacy on stained glass book, but you know, we have been able to bring solutions to churches that, you know, in all parts, in every corner of every state in the union. And I mean, we, we even did one a couple of years ago on an Island in Alaska.
1: That's. And, right. yeah, and that I bet mean, that was hard though,
2: you know, I mean, it was, yeah, it was a little more challenging, yeah. but you know, and, they, but the guys loved it. They got to put the truck and trailer on a barge and <laughs> and ride it for two days up to, to, uh, that, that particular Island. And, uh, and, you know, and then people were coming from all of this Island to see this historic church being done. I mean, it's certainly not a famous church, but right. it's certainly famous to us and it was famous to everybody there. So, I mean, that was super, super special. And honestly, there's just so many stories like that. Um, you know the ones that are listed on the website you know there's always those you know there's the west points and the saint john's Divine vine and the grace right. cathedral um you know and united nations building and all kinds of things but there's so many of those that out there like that little petersburg alaska right. church that are so special yeah
1: yeah no, I, I i agree with you there's it's it, it, it you it every time you get to 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 help restore or preserve a building, it, it helps, you know, keep it going to, you know, for another hundred years. And so that, that's always, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a national landmark, if it, if it, if you're, if you're part of, of that keeps it, keeps it in service, that's important.
2: You know, on the new window side, one of the most fun installations that we've had that was big. And I think, I think it's one of the largest Episcopal churches in the country. I know it's where, George and Barbara Bush did, went to, went to church because okay. we did a window that they that they had bought right. was Saint Martin's Episcopal in Houston, and we had just finished like the second phase of that for a, a chapel area, and that was that's that a pretty amazing church with a lot of amazing people that go there, I mean it was all new window, it wasn't restoration. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess someday we'll, I guess someday,
3: like, yeah, someday the, will the next be.
2: generation yeah. will get to take care of them, but. And and they uh, it'll be from this studio because the studio will last. Yes. Um yeah, so anyhow I
1: yeah, sorry that, I didn't give you exa- more specific
2: answers. No, but. no,
1: I think that's great. And I think that that's that's also I mean it's not it's not restoration or preservation, but the fact that, you know, a uh, a uh, uh, president and his wife bought a, a you know stained glass window like you know when 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 we when we sit in church we're in a building that's 150 years old so there's nobody that we know that you know his name is at the bottom of that you know the stained glass that have you know paid for that that section but it that's really that's really exciting too so that 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 is going to be part of part of history
2: i, I got to tell you a little fun thing that happened to me one Saturday afternoon. I was working with my longtime friend and he's still a project manager for us. His name's Greg Bayless. And we were this was probably in the early nineties and we were doing a project in New Bethlehem, Pennsylvania.
1: Oh yeah.
2: And it was, there was a vent that we had to take out and uh, do a little work on it. And it just it had folded up and, and you know they were slamming it back in the room. And so I take this vent out and I did a little work on it. And I was cleaning it up, and I looked down, and the people that had made all these windows had engraved in all the lead their names.
1: Oh my goodness!
2: And there was like fifteen or sixteen people <laughs> yeah. that had put their names on there. Like we, cre- I, I think they even said we created these windows in whatever it was, uh-huh. um, 1903 or something. And every one of them had engraved their name into that lead. So oh. we cleaned it all up and preserved it and protected it and probably a hundred years from now somebody else will get to notice that.
1: Yes. Oh, that's that's really cool. So um I, we kind of talked about like working, you know, get some of the pitfalls that people run into with like hiring contractors and things like that. Um are there any other common mistakes that you see that people make with their stained glass windows?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, we just, we really just get too much into this, you know, low bid thing um, right. and not, not, not that, I mean, look, we're never, we don't intend to be the low bid or we, we intend to be the highest quality and the fairest price and you pay right. what you get and you get what you pay for. So I'm not sitting here telling you that because it really affects us that much, but it's a way that they come and look at things. And I would think if they would look at it better of what they're getting they would actually found out a lot of times that you know they're what they think is a low bit is really not the low right
1: bid. and in the long run um, it won't be
2: <laughs> yeah in the long run it really won't be i mean yeah. there's some some businesses out there that that literally will kind of intentionally under prescribe a scope of work knowing that they're going to come in and write change orders
3: yeah.
2: and and honestly from a business standpoint I'd be way further ahead if I would prescribe to the same thing because people seem to accept that because that's what construction has taught them is there's always a scope to work, but I've never wanted to do that. Um, so, you know, we only do that for unforeseen things or actual changes that they, that the customer brings to us. And that's never been our scope. So I've also seen that sometimes backfiring people they'll go and they'll get this low price and then they get change order to death. And at the end of the day, you know, they end up being ten percent higher than what they would have been because that's kind of the thing, and I just don't find that to be
1: very ethical. No, I um, I agree with you. We we hardly ever do changers except for the reasons that you you know that you stated. Like, and and I agree. I I would rather figure the job out beforehand than you know try to try to add add on at the end.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. But I will tell you, as you know, often it it does not help um does not help our cause, you know,
3: because <laughs> yeah.
2: you know because people will go, "Oh, they're just lower than you." Well, okay, they are today.
3: Right. And then yeah. they
2: find out later on that they're not. But you know, I think I think when people I think when people when when people get in there, they need to spend more time actually calling references. I I laugh about sometimes people will call references of work that was done by a particular company 20 years ago. Right. It's like, well, nobody that was involved in a project is there now. It's still there, <laughs> right. You know, you know and, and, and companies change a lot. I mean, the reality is ours changed a lot. Whenever right. we took over ownership, we changed a lot of things. Now, we believe that we've improved everything and have helped it out, um, which we have. And, you know, but, you know, and, and it was a good studio before that, too, but, there's some that get bought out, changed, whatever, different generation takes over. So I think they need to get, I think they need to be very active in looking at references that are current, that are recent. Um, I think there's a lot of people that really need to check out the financial references of, of companies that they're going to be involved in. I mean, they're going out, they're doing work that, you know, is often, a million, a half, a million, a hundred thousand, whatever, significant. And, right. yeah. and these people are asking for deposits, rightfully so, you know, it works both ways, but you want to know that that company is going to be there to finish, going to care about finishing, going right. to be able to finish. And it doesn't take a whole lot just to check that out. You can use resources like Dunn in Bradstreet, you can ask for a bank. You know, and honestly, just working, just looking at references of what they've done with other people, you know, in the last three or four or five years is huge. And I mean, call them, get into conversations, ask around, you know,
3: right?
2: and Better Business Bureau, all kinds of things. There's a lot yeah. of Google reviews. There's a lot of things. And I think it just comes back to just doing the due diligence to do that. Read everything that's on the contract. Look at them apples to apples ask the question. Just don't make those mistakes. It's just not always that easy. If you find yourself overwhelmed, call us up, say, Hey, we're overwhelmed. We're really confused by this. Can you explain it to us? Right. I'll drive out there myself personally and sit down.
3: Right. And, yeah. and
2: we can put a whiteboard down until we get it figured out, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah. take the time. It's not embarrassing to not know. And just ask the question. It's a big responsibility. And uh, I, I, we want to I help agree. people do
1: it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really agree with all of those. And I, that's one of the things that I talk about when we do seminars for, for homeowners, is I'll say, you know, of course, you're going to pick a contractor that has insurance and um, has license, because everybody should have that. Like, if anybody you're talking to should have that. Um, right. But you need to make sure that they've done projects that are similar size to you, and you need to make sure that they understand the way your building was constructed, because they're not the same as that they're being constructed now. Like some yes that that are that are that are special to to you know our our specialties. That, that people don't maybe understand and don't know that they need to real, that have somebody else that understands it. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, before we wrap up, is there anything that maybe as we were talking, you, you, you thought about that, um, that you wanted to share that I didn't think to ask you?
2: You know, one of the things that I was just thinking about um, is we've offered this widget. Um, that does a calculation of basically when you do the repair work with us in a protective storm covering, it takes into effect the climate that you're in, the type of protective covering that you put up, the size of your windows, the size of your space, um, the maintenance that it saves you by doing this, these repairs and this installation of protective covering and actually tells you how much it costs you over the years. And Basically, when the break-even point is for doing this method, oh, really cool. which I think is yeah. it's really amazing. I've run a lot of projects through it. It's been very successful, and it really puts things into perspective. The other thing that I want to offer everybody that you have listening to you and any clients that you have is we will go to your site for free. We will inspect your windows. We will provide you a proposal. Earn key costs, very explicit. We will also give you a replacement value of your windows.
3: Okay.
2: Um, which just blows people away, okay? <laughs> because they sit there and they think, oh, our windows, you know, they have no idea what they're worth. And then right, they see that right. they got a million and a half dollars worth of windows. It's a replacement cost. Um, And they should probably call their
1: insurance company.
2: (laughs) Exactly. You know, that's, that's a good point. And that's the the reason why I started doing those replacement cost appraisals was exactly that there was a church in McKinney, Texas, that we had did some repair work for and about three months later, it caught on fire. Well, next thing you know, the insurance company is calling in some studios that these are Munich, Munich windows. And they they didn't have painters that could paint this stuff. I mean, it was a joke. Right. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was literally like putting band-aids on, you know, and this thing needed major surgery. Well, unfortunately, this church only had a fifty thousand dollar insurance oh, policy. Wow. No. My bid was like two hundred and thirty thousand. Right. Another bid was like two hundred and twenty eight. I mean, like we were all there's three bids, we were all right around the right. five or six thousand. And honestly, we're the only ones that had the quality of painters to do that. Um, one of them was close, but not, not that. Well, the church is mad. The insurance company is mad because it would have cost them nothing to have it properly insured, right? right. Nothing additional. I mean, very little, $400. Right. A, I mean, it was like not much at that, time, at that time. And so now the insurance company, unrightfully, is being held to a standard that they weren't getting paid for which some of it was their own fault because basically when they wrote a policy, they didn't know the value. Right. Customer didn't know the value. They're all playing guessing, all amateurs playing guessing games. So we said, let's eliminate that. So that's why we started doing free appraisals. And I do them for insurance companies. We're about to do it for insurance companies that insures a bunch of churches nationwide. We've already do it for some regional ones and we do it for every church. And here's the other thing too, about that inspection program. Not only do you get to know what they're worth so that you can make sure they're insured, Mm -hmm. not only do you have a snapshot of their current condition, you also have photo documentation of every window. In the last seven years that we've been doing this, we have probably had three losses that I could think of, okay, from pretty major to just somebody, you know, broke into the church that we were able to duplicate the window based off the photo documentation we had. And guess what? The church or nobody there had the documentation. We had it because we did it for them. And we had it on our servers protected for history. Yeah. And so we got the documentation. We got the value. Everything went boom, 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 because we did it. So there is no reason that anybody that's got stained glass windows, that's listening to your podcast, and hearing this shouldn't be calling us to get a free inspection. It's free. You learn about it, and we're doing all this work for you, and we're saving your information on our server. so if you ever need it, you're protected. Yeah, um, that's, just, that's, I a, think that's it's,
1: a great service. Thank you very much.
2: Yes, I, and I think it, I think that you know, it's just crazy that people don't do it. You know, fortunately, um, the diocese, the Catholic diocese, across the country. I think we've done 48 of them so far, and we've got more that we're working on now. Um, Because of the way their organization is, um, it's easy to set up to do it. So, but we're working on that. There's 330,000 churches in our database, and we've probably, we've probably got over 100,000 of them documented right now, and we're working on the rest. So, that's, that's what we do. I want everybody to take advantage of it. Go to our website, www.willithauser.com. Download the project guide. Send a request for information or a free inspection. Just call to say hi. I don't care. <laughs> a communi- yes, let's communicate. Let's, right. let's get something done. Let's protect yeah. these windows. Let's not make stupid mistakes. The information's is there. Um, our 800 number is 800-533-3960. Um, and let's you know, let's start the process. And you know what? Don't use the excuse of we want to do it someday, but it's right. going to be a few years. Start now. We'll plan for a few years.
1: Yeah, and that. I think my I,
2: one longest. I'm sorry.
1: I was just going to say, I I find that to be true with working with churches. It takes a little bit of time, but it's a it's an education process, and and you're willing. I'm I'm sure you're you're very willing to kind of give them the steps that they need to, to, to move things forward, even if it is a few years away.
2: My record is 11 years.
1: Oh my goodness.
2: We walked up and knocked on the door till we finally did the process and we talked and became friends and it's been 11 years. So I don't care. We love to do that. We've been around for over 120 years. We're not going any place. Right. And as our people retire, new ones grow. um, And, it, this place will always be here. That's, I think we've assured, we're have we assured that. And we just want to keep restoring windows, take care of them for the next generation.
1: Well, th- thank you very much for, for the work you do. And I will make sure that your website and your phone number are on our website where the, the uh, podcast is actually housed. So if somebody's listening and they're not, they didn't get a chance to write it down, they can just go to our site and, and find, find, your, um, find your page there. Uh, But thank you very much for for joining us and uh, me today. Uh, I really, I really appreciate it. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed our conversation.
2: Well, thank you. Take care. If there's anything you need from us, let us know.
0: I will. Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.